Let's turn to the word of the Lord this morning, shall we? We're in a study on the church, and we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. He says this, when you come together, when you gather, remember the ecclesia, the church, are those who are called out of the world to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are to routinely gather. We're not to forsake the assembling together. We were made to gather together. And when we are gathered together, how many of you know Jesus is in our midst and the Holy Spirit is pouring out upon us? Now, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you carry the presence of the Lord everywhere, but there's an outpouring when the, when the church assembles and the Lord Jesus speaks over his bride. On this street corner, right down the end of the streets, another church. Down at that end of the streets, another church. That's the body of Christ assembling together, the government of God. And as we're gathered together, we're accomplishing the Lord's work in the earth. And he says, when you gather, he said this. We studied it last week. Each one of you should have a song. That's what the word hymn means. In the Greek, it's psalm. And it means to have a song. And so we see why we are to worship. Because above all things, God is worthy of our praise and adoration. That's the first order of business is to understand who he is and to give him all the glory. And so we have done that. We've been singing and we've been worshiping him. And in that, God moves and ministers. The second thing he says when you gather is that you should each have a lesson. He goes on, he says, you should have a revelation, there should be a tongue or an interpretation. Let all these things be done to build up the assembly, the church. So you're here to be edified, you're here to be strengthened, you're here to be encouraged, you're here to be comforted, you're to be built up today. And I believe God's already doing that. And then he says, so he says, you should have a song and you should have a lesson. What is the lesson? The word lesson is didache. The word didache in Greek means a teaching or a doctrine or an instruction. And typically we have, well, back in the day, you can, when you have a Bible study, anytime people gather, someone may have a, a, a teaching or a lesson, somebody else has something they learned and so forth. But as a larger gathering, uh, if we each sat here and waited for each of you to give a lesson, we would have 100 lessons going on and we'd forget about the what was the basis of it? So we typically give a sermon. Historically, the apostles shared teachings and the doctrines of Jesus Christ. So when we gather together, it's important to study the word. It's important to teach. And so we see immediately in Acts chapter 2:42, at the founding of the church, it says they did four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' what? Teaching the apostles' doctrine, and to the fellowship, koinonia, the breaking of bread, communion, and to prayers. And so that's what we're doing together today. But today we're focusing on the teaching. We all need to be taught the doctrines of the apostles. Who were the eyewitnesses to Jesus Christ? And what did they teach? The lessons of Jesus. We need the word of God in our lives. He is that word. And Isaiah says this, So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
And so the idea of preaching and teaching and receiving is that God is implanting the imperishable word, seed of his word in us. Even before you knew Jesus Christ, someone spoke a Bible verse to you and that seed couldn't get out of you. That thing just grew to the place where you received Christ. I believe in preaching. I believe in teaching. I think it is absolutely essential that when we gather, we have some word of instruction because throughout the week, we need that word to feed on and to challenge us and to encourage us. The word of God is the foundation of the Lord. It is truth. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What do you think that means? All the time. Whether it's an opportune moment or not, teach the word of God to your co-workers, to your neighbors, to your friends. Help them understand what it means. Give them revelation knowledge. Give them truth. Be ready at all times to preach the word. And he goes on, he says, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Do you believe Paul thinks teaching's important? How else are we going to grow and instruct each other? And so as iron sharpens iron, we challenge each other. We correct each other. Brother, I don't think you should be doing that. It's none of your business what you think. No, the word of God says it. And you're my brother, and I I think I need to help in this situation. They may not receive it, but I'll tell you what, you plant that word, and once that word is sent, it will accomplish what it has been sent to do. How many of you have wrestled with the word of God till it finally wins? (laughs) Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. Right? Some of you are into probiotics. Well, this is the best probiotic you can get. (laughs) This thing will germinate in you and it'll kill every sin that's in you. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay? Piercing to the division of of your soul and spirit of joints and the marrow and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Basically, he's given us an illustration that the Word of God is like a meat cleaver. This thing will cut right between your flesh and your spirit. He's going to call you out every time. And good preaching will cut between what is sin and what is spirit, what is right and what is wrong, what is flesh and what is obedience to God. What are the thoughts and the intentions of your heart? You should feel convicted when the word of God is preached. It should challenge you to realize i got to get my act together. God is calling me to respond to him properly or to love the way I should love or to forgive the way I should forgive. It's sharp, it's active, it is constantly reproving, correcting, and rebuking. We need that. Amen? Amen? And so that's why we're to gather together and preach the word of God. Now churches do it in different ways. When churches gather, they focus on different things. Catholic Church focuses on the sacraments. It's a sacramental, liturgical uh, uh, portion of Christianity where, where they're looking at the sacraments of communion and baptism and the idea that grace is imparted through these sacraments. The, the, uh, since the Reformation, the center of uh, the Reformed Church is the preaching. The preaching of the word is going to accomplish all that needs to be accomplished. 
And that through the preaching, that's the focal point, that's the center. Well, in the Orthodox and Catholic, the focal point is the sacrifice of Christ. Well, the central focus in, in the Reformed or Protestant churches is the Word of God. And then you got the Pentecostals. We Pentecostals like a living presence of God by the Holy Spirit who's actively going and engaging in the church. Is one better than the other? Paul has the idea, let's have all three. We should be focusing on the sacraments uh, uh, and, and what Christ has given us through his body and blood and the grace that comes to us. We should be focusing on the word of God for instruction. And we should be focusing on an experiential impact of the Holy Spirit right now, giving us prophetic words and words of knowledge. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper you're to eat? So he had to correct them on the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and to get that right. And then he later said, when you come together, one of you should have a hymn or a song, worship. You should have a lesson. You should have a revelation, a tongue interpretation. Sounds Pentecostal to me. Sounds Baptist to me. Sounds high church to me. Put them all together and you should have a rich experience in God. Now, some of you came out of these different experiences. You said, I ain't going back there. I didn't feel the, the Holy Spirit. They just had all their uh, sit down, stand up, pray, do all this. Others came out of an experience where all you got was the teaching of the Word, and you didn't know the activity of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick, to pray, to get a word of prophecy. And some of you left some crazy Pentecostal stuff to get a little normalcy. How about we take the full counsel of God and bring these things together? And we don't need to be at war with one another over them. Let's use them correctly. Amen? So let's understand what teaching is about. Now, Paul used a very specific Greek word, the didache. Didache means instruction. Now, there's a difference between preaching and instruction or teaching. Preaching is the kerygma, and it means proclamation. And we see Jesus did both of these things. There is the preaching, and then there's the teaching. There's the proclamation, and then there's the instruction. There is power in proclamation. Jesus told his disciples to go into the cities and proclaim the kingdom of God has come. In proclamation, demons flee. In proclamation, people are healed. So in other words, in the proclamation of thus saith the Lord and speaking in faith and decreeing what the word of God says, it has power. That's preaching. How many of you like good preaching? Amen? Then there's teaching or instruction where you are gaining wisdom and knowledge. You are learning more about the Lord and as you learn more about him, you can be more devoted to him. You can grow in the knowledge of his love and know what he did for you and hear the stories and the testimonies of what God does and to learn his word so that you can keep it. So there's preaching and teaching. We get in discussions and fights over that too. Some of you love a good preacher. He's on fire. He's preaching it. And some of you love a good teacher who's instructing. How about we do both? How about we move in the flow of whatever the Holy Spirit's doing? Sometimes we need some preaching and proclamation and declaration over your life. Sometimes I need some instruction and I need some help to get me through. One 
stirs you up and fires you into a, an encounter and the other then pours that word into you so that you'll grow in wisdom and knowledge and in strength. So listen to this. George Gallup, uh, the famous man who takes Gallup polls, said this, Never before in the history of the United States has the gospel of Jesus Christ made such inroads while at the same time making so little difference in how people actually live. In the United States, you can get a Bible, you can hear the word of God anywhere on any media, any phone, any radio, any TV. The word of God is saturating this culture and how much impact is it having? Well, that's changing. Right? Because I, I, I believe in revivals on the way, and you're seeing massive amount of people turning to the Lord. But, you know, the last 20 years, we've had so much teaching and so much input into the church, but yet the church seems bored with Jesus. We really do. It's like, well, yeah, you know, Jesus is cool. I, we study, we learn about him, but I got to go back to work. I got to go back to making my money, paying my bills, doing my thing. Because remember, it's all about me anyway. In fact, I added Jesus to my life so I could be blessed. Wow. That ain't right. <laughs> Jesus did one thing with your life. He killed it. He put you on the cross with him so that you could have a new life. And live for the purposes of the kingdom of God. What is a teaching supposed to do on Sundays when we gather or Wednesdays or whenever you seem to gather? Number one, the preacher is called to help the congregation interpret life theologically. And to help the congregation respond appropriately. What, is, what does the word of God say about your marriage? What does the Word of God say about the dealings you have right now with your children? What does the Word of God say about that co-worker that's driving you nuts? What does the Word of God say about the neighbor who mistreated you and stole your garbage can? What do you do with this? Right? Oh, is that in the Bible? <laughs> Actually, it is somewhere, yeah. Dealing with people who sin against you and your own failings with the Lord, and your triumphs and your victories. That's why we gather together. Right here in this room, we've got every known sin to man that's been cleansed. Hallelujah. Praise God. I fixed it for you, didn't I? Seriously, anybody could walk in from the street, no matter what sin they were in, and we could give testimony that you can be free from it. Everyone. I know you. I've counseled most of you. Any sin known to man could come into this room and we could say Jesus forgives and cleanses from all sin. Amen? We're gathered together because once we were this, but now we're that. We were sinners, but now we're saints. We can come in and, and we can help people understand how to get through what it's like going through what they're going through. Did you follow that? Okay. And so that's why we assemble, so that we'll gather together. So why preach? The objective of preaching is to develop Christ-like conviction in your thinking, Christ-like character 
in your choices and in your feelings, and Christ-like conduct in your behavior. That's what we're achieving. We are all being shaped into the image of Jesus. Every one of us are children of God, being shaped to be like Jesus in our thinking, in our feelings, and in our actions. Our intellect, our emotions, and our will. That's the full identity of our lives. And I love 1 John 4, 17. It says, as he is, so also are we in this world. You got to hold on to that for a second. As he is, how is he right now, Jesus? How's he doing? Where is he? Seated at the right hand of God, fully resurrected, full righteousness and glory. We're his body. We're an extension of him. And as he is, so are we in this world. If someone wants to come to Jesus, they need to get to you. That sounds radical. But you're Jesus with skin on. You're Jesus to comfort them. You're Jesus to pray and intercede for them. You're Jesus to lay hands on them. You're Jesus to, to help them get out of the problem they're in. We have a room filled with people who are acting and behaving like Jesus. That should change a culture. That should change a city. That's why our, our uh, vision statement is to effectively impact our community by how? Making disciples of Christ. If there's a Christian in the room, that room should be radically changed. You're Christ in that room. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? Or do you continue to think of yourself as simply a sinner, saved by grace? I hate that bumper sticker. Just a sinner saved by grace. Just? That's it? You're going to hang on that? You've been born again sanctified, justified, cleansed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's time that we behave like people of God. It's time like we touch people's lives. Because in this world, we are like Him. And we're here, available to do the will of God. Amen? Amen. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. You're to have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.15 says that we're to understand and be comforted. Let the peace of God that passes understanding keep you in all things. And so that's why we're preaching. Now, preaching and teaching, we're here this morning so that we're challenged. I like what Paul said when he was preaching to the Berean church. He said, these guys are awesome. Better than the Thessalonians. Now, that's saying something. When you understand the Thessalonians, Paul went into Thessalonica and he stayed there three weeks. And in three weeks, he established a church that was more powerful than any of the other churches because he said he came in the power of the Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and they received with full conviction. The Thessalonian church was fully convicted by the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and they were a powerhouse of a church. But he says the Bereans, oh, the Bereans, he said, now the Bereans were more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. Wow. For they received the message with great 
eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if these teachings were true. As a result, many of them believed along with quite a few prominent Greek women and men. They got saved. Why? They believed. They were noble-minded. They received the word of God because they received the message with one great eagerness. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I have great eagerness? Amen. Better eagerness. Amen. 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 It's electrifying. They held on every word Paul had to say. They ate it up. And then they'd go home and they'd study what he read. He read out of, out of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Is that, could that be the Jesus that he was talking about? Oh my gosh. He was pierced for our transgressions, wounded, and by his stripes were healed. That's Jesus. They studied it, studied the word. I hope you are studying the word of God. If, you're, if this is the only time you're getting fed, you're not strong enough to face this world. By Tuesday, you're depleted of your energy. The world's sunken into your mind and is influencing you too much. We've got to stay in the Word of God like the Bereans. We've got to check and see what God said, what's being done in our lives. Eating the Word like manna every morning, reading those promises, holding on to them. Instead of listening to the world's music, listen to the Word of God. Listen to worship music. Listen. Get fed every day. And so we're to be challenged by the Word of God. It's also supposed to help us understand. Look at what he said to the Corinthian church, that Pentecostal church. If I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless someone gives a revelation or the knowledge of prophecy or teaching? How are you going to go any further if I just speak in tongues? So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But nevertheless, in church, when we gather, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Praise God there's a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God, people slaying in the Spirit, singing and dancing, hooping and hollering. Woo, woo, woo. All right. Everybody's speaking tongues. That's awesome. But if you're not growing by the power of the Word of God instructing you, it's not going to last. You know, people see miracles and they don't get saved. Because they're only seeing it with their eyes and they're not having a conviction in their soul, in their spirit by the Word of God. Now, I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in praying in tongues. I believe in prophecy. I believe in laying hands on the sick. But again, I'm just trying to show you what Paul is saying about the Word of God. You have to have a full, robust presence of the Lord in the house. Yes, His Spirit's moving, but you've got to go to the Word of God to have it implanted in you so that you will be built up. Don't forsake the Word of God. It is absolutely essential. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it's to call us to service. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. To equip us. How are we going to be equipped? What does that word equip mean? It means to make complete. 
what you're lacking, there to fill it in. With what? The Word of God. It's the same word that means to mend, to, to sew any holes, to, to, to equip and perfect the saints for the work of ministry. You know what that word is, ministry in the Greek? Diakonos. It means to serve. We're servants. We're to be equipped to serve. We're to be completed, filled up to give it all away. The American church is so knowledgeable in the Word of God. We've studied our brains out, but is it activating your life? When you're driving by someone who in need, do you keep driving or do you stop because you're compelled by the compassion of Christ to help that person? When you hear a plea for finance, do you go, oh man, I was planning on going out for a big dinner tonight? Or do you give as the Holy Spirit gives compulsion for you to give? We're equipped. The Word of God equips us to respond like Jesus. And it's time that we do that, church. The whole, the whole reason we're to be matured by the fivefold ministry is so that we become servants to building up the body of Christ. Imagine how strong the church would be if all of us were putting into it our best effort to reach the lost, to care for the sick and the hungry. Amen? Amen. It completes us. Sounds like a movie. You complete me. The Word of God does. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. How do you know what you believe if you haven't learned? How many of you would be taken out by, by an atheist who would give you the contradictions in the Bible, those difficult Bible passages that you just don't know how to answer? Why don't you know how to answer them? There's enough apologetics out there to go you can find the, the reasons to believe what we believe if anybody's in this room and doesn't understand why they believe what they believe or are confused you need to get to work there's no excuse for sloppy christianity Continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's Paul talking to his disciple Timothy. And he goes on and he says, because all Scripture is breathed out by God. If all Scripture is breathed out by God, and I read you the verse in Isaiah, what did it say about the Scriptures that he breathes out? It will accomplish what he sent it to do. There is a task in every page here. There is a word of knowledge and revelation right here. And as you read it, it is challenging you to do what God wants you to do. And so... It's breathed out by God. What's it good for? It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, or the woman of God, may be what? Complete. Same word as Paul used in Ephesians. Equipped. That you would be complete. Equipped for what? Every good work 
good ministry, good service. We have raised people up to think you have to be a rock star Christian. You have to have a platform. You have to have a lot of people. Your success is how many people, how many likes you get. How many people have read your latest Instagram? 37. Can't wait to break 40. Who cares? We're to be doing every good work available to us. Do you walk down the street every day? Do you think that there is something good you could accomplish in somebody's life? That's what the Word of God equips us for. I am telling you, God had a plan to save this planet. He decided that he would put his own spirit in people. And if his spirit was in people, it would multiply out and immerse this planet with Christ-like people who are going to change one heart at a time. But the only complication with that is, is if those people don't do what he asks them to do. But you, fill in the blank, you are doing what God wants you to do. You are challenged by the Word of God. You are changing your life. You are impacting your community and those around you, and you want to get better at it. I got one amen. So be like the Bereans. Receive this Word. And be bold with it. Amen? Amen. When you come together, teach. Learn. I close with this. I preach and teach because it is my passion. It's the one thing that I live for, literally. I love it. Any opportunity I have it's not because I want to be on a platform. I could care less about the platform. I just want people to know about Jesus. Amen? I know the living God. And I have studied him. I have sought him day and night to learn more about his character, to learn more about his love, to learn more about how he functions, to learn more about how I can represent him. And it is my life's passion to share this knowledge of Jesus. And I'm praying that you would fall so deeply in love with Jesus, you can't get enough of knowing about him of learning more about him, of understanding him more. We have 2,000 years of great men and women who have studied him. So study them. Learn from them. Grow in them. Grow in, in wisdom and in stature before God and men so that God will use you. You are fully equipped now. So put it to work. Be so passionately in love with the Word of God, that you eat, sleep, and drink the Word. That is my prayer for you. Bow your heads with me. Oh, Father God, I pray that as we're growing in the knowledge of you, we will be completely absorbed by the Word of God. 
that, Lord God, this word will constrain us to preach. It's like a fire in our bones, oh God. We've got to tell somebody about you. The simplest knowledge of who you are. Lord Jesus, I pray that we'll have such conviction this morning over your word. It challenges us. It completes us. It makes us available to everyone around us. Ultimately, this word that we're learning is you. It is you. You're the word, the living word. We're talking about you, Jesus. God. It's not ink on a page. It is God incarnate in Christ. Will you learn, people of God? Will you study? Will you share what you know from the least to the most with everyone? Study to show yourself approved of God. Present yourself to Him, a workman who rightly divides the Word. I pray for an impartation to you that you will fully, fully pursue God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and body. And I want to pray right now for those of you